Hey, it's great to see you and uh, great to be together. Fun to sing, fun to share in a day like this. And, uh, you know, Easter only comes around once a year. So I, I said this morning to everybody, we might as well enjoy it. We might as well just soak it up. We might as well just, just live in the life that is resurrection life. And uh, we might as well have a good time while we're at it. So I'll do to you what I did to them this morning at 7. Hopefully a little easier at uh, 10.30. Uh, on the count of three, I want everybody to smile, okay? Are you ready? One, two, three. Good. Yeah, maybe even a little laughter. Some chuckles, some shoulders moving. Yes. It's a good thing. Uh, this is a celebration. This is, this is joy. And I know you're getting ready to listen to a sermon, so maybe you're like, oh, what's coming at me? But uh, feel free to keep smiling. Feel free to keep smiling as I talk to you this morning because uh, I hope, hopefully what I have to say is good news. If it's not, then I've missed the mark today because this is all about the good news. I um, read a headline this week. Maybe some of you saw it in the, in the newspaper. It, uh, it said, Niet to one million. Anybody see this? Niet to one million. Niet is no in Russian. And what this story was about uh, was a Russian mathematician, who, a 43-year-old Russian mathematician, Grigory Perlman, who recently won a contest put on by this math organization uh, to solve a math problem that has befuddled mathematicians for a century. And he won it by solving this uh, problem. Some of you mathematicians would know, maybe recognize the problem if I named it, but I am not a mathematician and I cannot remember. But it was a point, point something. But it, amazing. He solved a century-old math problem. I mean, that's impressive stuff. And, and there was a $1 million prize attached to solving this, this, this problem. But, but the, the situation that was arising was simply this, that this, this mathematician who, as it turns out, is a recluse living in St. Petersburg with his aging mother, was deciding as of press time as to whether or not he would take the $1 million. Some of you are like, I'll take it. I'll take it for you. You can, you can get it. donate it my way, brother. That'd be fine. But he was deciding whether or not he wanted to take it. Um, evidently, he's received other awards, and he doesn't like the media attention. He doesn't like the frenzy that attaches it so, to it. So he just has, still hasn't made up his mind. The award ceremony, I think, is in June. So he has still a few uh, months, or a few weeks at least, to decide whether or not he'll take the award. But as I read the article further, the, some of the wording caught my attention, especially as it, as it relates to Easter as it relates to what God has done for us in Jesus. Listen to what they said in the article. Um, technically, this is the, the leader of the math organization, he said, technically, the award is a done deal. He has been awarded the prize. That's the decision of the committee. He may or may not accept the money. Uh, again, some of us are like, we'll help you out with that. I, take it and send it my way. But, but again, some of the language of this is so striking to me, strikingly similar to the prize 
that we might be able to think about that God is offering to each and every one of us as we think about here at Easter time. God is offering us the gift of life, real life, abundant life, free and full life, both now and forever, the multi-million dollar variety of life, not in cash, but in love and relationships and wholeness and fullness. And yet how many of us, like Grigory Perlman, are hesitating to claim our prize? How many of us are kind of undecided yet as to whether or not we'll take advantage of the prize that has been offered to us? We don't even have to solve a problem to get this prize. The problem has been solved for us. That's the great news of Easter. The problem of our sin and our self-centeredness has been taken care of by God when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to be raised from the dead. And now because the problem has been taken care of, the prize awaits us. We might say it much like the article said it. Technically, this award is a done deal. What God has done for us in Jesus and his offer to us of life both now and forevermore is a done deal. We have been awarded the prize. That's the decision of God himself. And now the question is, will we accept it or will we not? There's a beautiful passage of scripture in the book of Romans, chapter 6, that speaks about this life that God is offering to us. I'd love to have you turn with me if you have a Bible you can turn there with me to Romans chapter 6. If not, it'll be on the screen. And I want to read this passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul was one of the early followers of Jesus Christ. He was responsible for writing much of the New Testament. And he wrote so beautifully about this very prize in these verses of Scripture. We might more rightly call it perhaps this promise that God has given to us about what, what can be ours, the life that can be ours to receive when we put our faith in him. So I want us to think about that. And I want to invite you to stand with me as I read this passage of scripture. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. And I'll read through verse 13. And at the end, I'll simply say these words. This is the word of the Lord. And you can respond back by saying, thanks be to God. Little crowd participation, always good for us. All right. Let me read. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. 
The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. That's a mouthful, but this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. There is a lot going on in that passage. I actually, uh, when I was a senior in college, I, I was taking a class on the Greek language. And um, I got to write a, like a 35-page paper on that particular passage of Scripture. I, I'm not going to read that paper for you this morning. Don't worry. Um, but there is so much happening there. But I just want to unpack a few thoughts for us that we can think of and hopefully grab onto this morning as we think about what's going on in this passage of Scripture. It essentially begins by summarizing the hope of the Christian faith. And, and, and for us this morning, perhaps we can even summarize it a little bit more by putting it into some vernacular that might be a little more common or familiar to us. The, the, we might begin it by simply saying this, out with the old. Out with the old. And, and, and has anybody been doing any spring cleaning lately? Getting out with the old, uh, some of the, your, your, your stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we recently, some of you know this, most of you know this, we recently were able to, to begin ministry in Carpinteria at the church there. And uh, when we assumed responsibility for this church, what we found is that, like most churches, it had become a, shall we say, a dumping ground uh, for people's stuff over the years. And this church had been in existence in that place since the early 70s, and it had just accumulated stuff and books and papers and this and that and records and all this stuff. I mean, it took us probably two or three work days and at least a couple of trash containers, big ones, to get rid of all the stuff that had been accumulating in that place. And I don't know about you, it, it, it's a little hard on me to begin with sometimes, as those people will, will readily share with you, I'm sure, who were there on those days. It's a little hard for me to get rid of old stuff sometimes. I, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys that's like, well, you never know. We might need that. Anybody else do that time to time? Any just outright pack rats? In the, no, you don't have to admit that. Um, <laughs> But, but, but sometimes we have a hard time getting rid of the old, right? And this is what was happening. And that's probably why it took two or three work days. Because the first one, I was like, oh, we might need that. A couple months later, oh, we don't need that. A couple months later, we don't need that. So finally, we were able to get rid of this stuff. And, and I got to tell you, if, I think most of you will be with me on this, that it feels good to clear out the old. Doesn't it just feel good? Some of you are like, oh, I want to go home and clean out my attic right now or my spare bedroom just feels good to kind of clear out some of the old because it just kind of gets in the way. It clutters up our lives and it clutters up our thinking. And the same is possible when we think about our faith in Jesus. Paul says it like this there at the end of verse 2. He says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? The point that he's making is that we can identify with Jesus' death on the cross. It's not that we 
cease to live, obviously, but that we can die out to the sin in our lives. We can die out and we can cut the ties of, uh, that we have to the world that's all around us and the things of this world that would take us away from God. We can say in our own lives, in our spiritual lives, simply this, and this is what Paul's writing about, out with the old, clear it out. That stuff that clutters, that sin, that disobedience, that self-centeredness, all that stuff that keeps us from becoming all that God would have us to be, that just kind of kind of clutters things up. Paul's saying, out with the old. But we don't just kind of clear out the old, right, to, to just kind of leave it empty. No, he says, out with the old and what? In with the new. We don't just clear out the old stuff in order to kind of look at how empty it is. No, we clear out the old so we can make room for the new things, the new things that God is bringing in Carpinteria. We cleared out the old stuff and we put in some new carpet and some new you know, furnishings, new paint and all this stuff. But our real hope is that the new will be new people. <laughs> clear out the old stuff and make room just for new ministry and new life and new people. And it's very similar perhaps in our own lives. When we when we encouraged and when we can come to the place where we can clear out the old clutter, the old sin, the old disobedience, the old stuff, the old ways of thinking, and the old ways of living, God can bring into our hearts and into our lives a new way of living, a new way of being, a new way of existing, a new way of looking at the world, a new way of relating to people, a new way of thinking about situations, a new way of reacting or responding to the crises, the stresses that come our way. Out with the old in with the new. And Paul said it like this at the end of verse 4. I did some of my favorite words in all the Bible, perhaps, and some for sure in this Bible, he said it like this. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, read this with me, we too may live a new life. And that's what we celebrate. Leave that up there for a moment. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too now have the opportunity to live that resurrection life, to live that life that is free from sin and from disobedience and from death and, and is living into all the glory that God has in mind for us. There were, there were six people who stepped into the waters of baptism this morning at our early sunrise uh, service. Uh, I had hoped to have some pictures of that for you here this morning who, who weren't able to be there, but my photographer is my wife and she was also doing about three other things uh, during that time, and so we weren't able to get those pictures, but we'll have some for you next week. Um, but what an amazing and awesome experience to listen to the testimonies of these that have cleared out the old, made room for the new, and, and to hear how God is at work performing miracles in people's lives and bringing about radical transformation and change that they could never produce or create on their own. It's the work of God. It's the beautiful work of God. It's, it's what he's doing to, to raise us up to a new life. And, and, and you can, you know, as we listen to those testimonies and watch those people literally rehearse the events of Jesus' death as they go down into the water and, and, and his resurrection as they come back up from the water, we can think so vividly about this new life that God is offering to each and every one of us. But for these six, and for us, when we clear out the old and make room for the new, Paul says a couple more things about what this new life will look like. 
what will characterize this new life. And I just want to share these thoughts with you this morning because they're so important. Whether we're at the place where we're looking at this, this prize, this promise that God has offered to us, and we're kind of wondering if we're going to accept it or not, whether we're going to claim that multi-million dollar kind of life, or whether we're in it, we've, we've, we've claimed the prize, but we're perhaps not making full use of it as God would intend us to do. Or maybe we're in that life, but we're kind of on the emergency room table and we're needing God to just, you know, clear, put the paddles on us and, and re-energize us with the life that he has to offer. So just a couple quick thoughts about what this passage reminds us that will characterize this life. The first is this, that this life is a liberated life. It's a life that is marked by freedom. This life that God offers to us, that we can be raised to, just as Jesus was raised uh, to new life, is one that is full of liberation and a life marked by freedom. Maybe the image of Jesus in the grave is, is one that we can think about. A grave with a, with a what? A big old stone rolled across the front. Right? We, we've seen maybe this image, we've heard the stories, but if, if you haven't, that's how Jesus was, when he, when he was crucified, he was buried in this tomb, and, a, and the Bible tells us that a stone, a large stone, was rolled across the tomb. And, and perhaps this fits maybe for some of us as well. We're, we're stuck in tombs. We're stuck in dead places. We're trapped in these places behind rocks that have rolled across our pathway to spiritual life and are keeping us from, from the freedom and from the liberation that God would have for us. A few Easter's ago, I, I shared a message on, on rolling the stones away. And it came back to me as I was thinking about this this week, just rolling the stones away. And I talked specifically about the stones of unbelief and the stones of apathy and the stone of bitterness, and how these things and so many other things can become those, those rocks, those stones that block us in and keep us in the places of the dead. Well, the, the, the story, as you know, is that God did what with the stone? He rolled it away. He rolled the stone away. And I just have the feeling that maybe for some of us here today who maybe stuck in these places of the dead, trapped by some of these things, apathy or bitterness or unbelief or something else, God wants to come and roll the stone away for you and to clear a path to, to full and free and, and, and beautiful life. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's your fear of the future. Maybe it's who you've been or what you've done. Uh, Easter tells us, that the stone that was keeping Jesus in the grave has been rolled away, and the stone that might be keeping you in the grave can be rolled away as well. This life that God offers to us is one that is unrestricted. Jesus, we, we imagine, we see him going with his hands bound to be crucified. He was bound so that we could be freed. And we need to remember that and think about that and live into the freedom that God has provided for us through Jesus. Paul in the passage says it like this there in verse 7. He says, anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Again, not physical death, but dying out. Yeah, dying out to, 
to, um, to, to the sinful world, dying out to our disobedience, being crucified with Jesus. And we've been freed from sin. The stories ring out all across the land, even today, of, of slaves that are being set free. And you can read stories even about modern-day slavery and, and sex trafficking that is going on and organizations that are working hard to release those who are in oppression and, and under bondage. And you can read their testimonies and hear about the stories of being set free. And we, too, even in our spiritual lives, can be in such bondage. But the promise, the prize that we can claim is one of a liberated life. Paul also says it won't only be a liberated life, but it'll be a victorious life that we get the chance to live out. That when we grab hold of all that God has offered, it is a life that is filled with, with, with wins and not losses. Uh, today, the um, Connecticut women's basketball team. It's a basketball story, but it's about women, so I'm trying to be inclusive here. <laughs> Right? Are you with me? Okay, thanks. Trying to, trying to reach out. Uh, but this is an amazing story. They're, they're, uh, they're 37 and 0. That means they've won 37 times, and they've lost zero times. And, and last year, they did the same thing. They won all their games, and they won the championship. And if they win the next two, they'll finish the year 39-0. and 0. Right now, they are currently, I'm not sure how many games, I can't do the math right now, but they are currently on a 76-game winning streak. That is a lot of winning. They're nearing, some of you are a little older than me, and you can remember John Wooden's teams at UCLA and his college basketball team. Yeah, all the Bruins in the house said Amen. Um, sorry, all the cardinal in the house turned their head. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, I, I just waged a Pac-10 battle. I got a Trojan back there, too. Sorry. Um, the, oh. Berkeley up front. Uh, anyway, they went, Wooden's teams went 88-0 and 0 over a streak. 88 wins against zero losses over a period of time. And this is impressive stuff. I, uh, I, I don't know a lot about that kind of winning in terms of most of the teams that I've been on, but uh, what an amazing thing to think about. And, and I do know a lot about winning in terms of what God promises for us, about the life that we are able to grab onto that he makes available to us. He does not promise that we will necessarily win every battle in our fight against temptation and, and sin in life. But listen again to what Paul does say about uh, Jesus and about what he has done for us. Since Christ was raised from the dead, he says, he cannot die again. And then he says this. So this is true. There in the end of verse 9, death no longer has mastery over him. Jesus is completely victorious. Not sin, not death, not anything that this world holds can master Jesus. He is the victor over all that is. Over every temptation known to man, every, every sin, every, every uh, inkling of darkness or death, Jesus is master over it all. And the promise then for us is that when we walk in step with Jesus, when we walk hand in hand with him, when we trust him completely 
with our lives and when we allow him to purify our hearts and work in our lives, when we live out and apply the benefits of his death and his resurrection to our own lives, then we can have the hope of victory. Not just some of the time, but we can have the hope of victory all the time, my friends. We can go 37-0. and 0. We can get on a 76-game winning streak. We don't have to lose out to sin. We're not destined to give in to temptation every time. We don't have to fail when we're put to the test. We might not win every time. We might not fight off every temptation. But it won't be, be because God has let us down. It won't be because God hasn't made a way for us. It'll simply be because we've failed to grab hold of it and live into it in the full and free victorious way that he would have us to. This life can be one filled with confidence. This life can be one filled with hope. This life can be one filled with victory. And anything less than that, my friends, is settling for something less than what God has in mind for us. Grab on to the life that's promised to us. Finally, the prize that we've been given is simply this. It's a, a purposeful life. It's a life that is filled with and marked by meaning and significance and joy. We, we have something to be. We have something to do. For the, for the one who grabs hold of the life that God offers to us, this resurrection life, life is not just about getting by. Life is not just about making it through each day, getting my paycheck. I've sung it before. I'll sing it again. It's not just about everybody working for the weekend. Come on. You know, <laughs> sing it. It's not just about working for the weekend. It's not just about getting from, you know, Sunday to Saturday. Ooh, I made it. It's not just about living getting stuff, doing this, doing that, and then we die. It's not just about he who accumulates the most toys before he dies wins. It's not about just getting by. It's about getting on with all that God has in mind for us to be and to do. It's about getting on with the work that he's called us to do. It's about getting on with the purpose and the mission that he's lined out for us. It's about getting on with this unique, unique design that he's put into each and every one of us. It's about living out the gifts that he's poured into our lives and the talents and the strengths that he's given to each and every one of us. It's about putting those things to use for his glory and for his honor and for his purpose. It's about joining in a work and joining with a people that is far bigger than anything we could ever do on our own. Anything we could ever be on our own. It's about partnering with the very creator of all that is. The God of the universe. To do the work that he is wanting to get done in the world. It is a life filled with purpose. And so look at this list, last little sections here from verse 13. Would you read this with me? It says, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. To, to fully claim the prize, to fully grab on to the promise, this life that God is offering to us, this resurrection life, and simply our, 
our, our, our challenge, our invitation, better said, is to offer ourselves to God, to give ourselves completely to Him and to find purpose, to find meaning, to find significance in the midst of the everydayness of our lives, to know that there is, there is fulfillment, there is fullness, there is something that goes beyond the here and now. And we have a chance to offer ourselves, to give ourselves, and to join in the purposes of God that are going on both now and all over the world and throughout time. A life filled with purpose. A purposeful life. A, uh, a, a, a liberated life. One marked by freedom. A victorious life. One marked by confidence and hope. A purposeful life. One marked by meaning and significance. Uh, it's one of the greatest joys that's gone on in our local church body this last year has been to have a bunch of babies just show up on the scene. I mean, they didn't just show up. I know how they got here, but uh, I think I do. Right now. Uh, but just, you know, just a bunch of babies and, and in the last couple of years, especially just, just new life, just emerging all around us and 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 some more on the way and I, we're not making any announcement that's some other people in the church so just just squash the rumors right there okay so, um but uh what was i saying new life emerging all around us and this is so fun and several babies were born kind of this last summer and into the fall and and this is the time. I mean, you've seen some of these little kids, right? And this is the time when, when they're just getting, like, so interesting, just so fun. And they're making little sounds, and they're making their facial expressions, and they're doing their things, and they're kind of, you know, responding, and their parents think that they're hearing words from them, and, you know, all these kinds of interesting uh, good things that are happening in the lives of these, these, these babies. They are, we might say it like this, they are coming alive. I mean, they're alive, but they're really coming alive at this stage. And we'll watch that occur over the days and weeks and months and even years to come, more and more. Well, the invitation for us is just like those little babies, just like the little children all around us, the ones that we're singing here as they seem to come alive more and more every time we see them. It's for us to come alive. You're alive. You're breathing. I'm looking at you. You're looking back at me. There's some life. Your heart's beating. It's going, there's something going on in there, I'm pretty sure. But, but to really come alive, to emerge, to awaken to all the life that God has in mind for us, not just, again, the daily getting by, but all the meaning, all the victory, all the purpose that he has in mind for us. Now, some of you just need to let God clear out the old today. There is old stuff just lingering in the closet or in the garage of your life. Get it out of there. Let God get it out of there. Let him forgive you of that sin, of that disobedience, of that self-centeredness, of those attitudes, of those behaviors that have been less than pleasing to him. Let him just forgive you. That's the beautiful thing of God's grace. He doesn't make you, you know, grovel. He doesn't make you get down on your hands and knees even. He doesn't make you do anything or pray any 
magic prayer. He just says, simply ask me. I want to forgive you. I, I sent my son, God says, to hang on the cross and to die so that you might be forgiven fully for all that sin and all that stuff, all that clutter in your lives. Some of you just need to say, God, forgive me. God, just forgive me. I want to claim your forgiveness today. I want you to wipe out the old, clear it out. I, I just hope, I just care so deeply for each and every one of you, whether I really know you today or not. I just would hate for anybody to walk out of this room today with stuff and junk still hanging out in your life. Let God clear it out. The rest of you, or more of us, maybe need God not only to clear that stuff out, but all of us need him to bring the new in. New ways of doing things, new ways of seeing, new ways of operating, new ways of looking at the world, new ways of being a resurrection life, fully coming alive. So again, you're, uh, you're, 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 you're here today, and, um, and, and the prize, the, the multi-million dollar kind of life is, is right here. The problem has been solved. You don't have to even do anything, really, but claim the prize. It's, it's, it's been off. It's a, as they said, it's a done deal. God's not going back on it. He sent his son, raised him from the dead. The deal is done. All that remains is for us, wherever we are in life, to, to, to grab onto it. Wherever we are on this journey, some of us are just getting our legs maybe in Christian faith. Some of us are, are again, just even still maybe on the outside kind of looking in, checking it out. What, what is this all about? Some of us, again, maybe we're, we've been walking for a long time and we need, a, we need a new boost. We need a new sense and a new uh, interaction with the life that God offers. Wherever we might be in the journey, the invitation is for you to take another step today. Take another step. Out of the old. In the new, let's come alive. Would you stand with me and pray for us? I'm going to sing a song in just a moment, and uh, but but right now I just want to just want to uh, pray for you and love to did this a little bit last week. I want to do it again. If you just close your eyes, bow your heads, and, and nobody looking around, and Jake's just going to play kind of softly. Just love to take a moment on this Easter Sunday. Again, it only comes around once a year. We only get the chance to maybe gather in a setting like this um, from, from time to time even. Some of you, this is your first time here. We're glad, we're so glad that you're here. But, but I really want to take a moment just to, to, to slow down and to give you a chance just to examine your heart. And, and to respond to God wherever it is and however it is that he might be leading in your life. I just, I just really want to, again, help you see before you in a beautiful way this, this promise, this prize, this life that is like nothing this world has to offer. And I really want to give you this opportunity even right now to respond to God in such a way that, that, that you're making room for the new. 
might be some of you right now that just would, would say, Pastor James, I've got some old stuff that's hanging on in my heart. And, and I need to be one of those people who simply says, God, I need your forgiveness. I need you to clear out the old right now. It's stuff that is just cluttering up my life. And I want you in your power and in your love to come and just forgive me even right now. All your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, but if that's you, would you just look up at me right now and just make some eye contact with me? If you're just thinking, hey, I just want to be forgiven. I just need forgiveness today. Good. Good. See you guys. I just want to make room for the new. I want to clear out the old. So good. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I see you guys. Praise God. Let's just clear out the old. Just clear out the old. See ya. Bless you. Bless you. Let me just pray even for you right now. Father, these who are looking up and thinking very deeply about the stuff that's holding on, stuff that's cluttering up their lives, the, the past sin or disobedience or self-centeredness, attitudes, behaviors, whatever it's been that's just stuck in the way, calling out for your forgiveness even right now. And God, I just, I just pray with them and on their behalf that you would come even right now and by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, that you would bring forgiveness. Wipe the slate clean. Clear it out, oh God. And may there be a sense of, of, of freedom and release even now. The deepest parts of their heart deepest parts of their life, clearing away, clearing out the old. And then for these and for maybe others here this morning, maybe you're at a place where you know you've been living, but you haven't been really living. You're alive, but you haven't really come alive in the way that God has in mind for you. You haven't really claimed or grabbed hold of the prize or the promise that it's a done deal and is offered to you even right now. Some of you are, are, are on the outside looking in and you're, you're saying, I, I want some of that life. Some of you again have been walking in it, but your heartbeat slowed down and you need the paddles to hit your chest today to renew that life within you. Bring it in the new. Some of you just want to grab hold and claim that prize today. Maybe it's some of the same ones that just were looking at me, but maybe some others as well that would just look up at me and just say, I want the new. I want to come alive in new ways. I want to just come alive. I want to grab on more and more to what God has in mind for me. If that's you, just look up at me. Just look up at me and just say, yeah, more life. More life. Resurrection life. Not the kind of life that this world so easily settles for and that I've settled for perhaps for so long, but resurrection life. Good. I see you. I see you. Praise God. Praise God. There are many of us coming alive in new ways, fresh ways, powerful ways. I'm proud of you. And God, you, you see the hearts Maybe I haven't seen all of the eyes. I hope I have. But 
Maybe I missed a few, but you see their eyes and you see their hearts once again, oh God. And you were bringing about, in place of the old stuff, you're bringing about a, a new life, a resurrection life. That just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so we too can live a new life. Thank you, God. Life marked by freedom from sin and death. A, mark, a life that is victorious. It is filled with optimism and hope and confidence. A life filled not only with these, but a life that's filled with purpose meaning and significance. We grab onto it today. And, and this Easter Sunday, 2010, may it be for us, whether we've responded in some outward way today or we're just responding to you simply in our hearts, may we mark it down, oh God, as a day that we came alive to you in a new and a fresh and a powerful way. And may we watch now as, as new patterns of thinking New ways of operating, new ways of relating, new ways of interacting, new ways of seeing the world begin to emerge more and more in our lives. Thank you for your love. Thank you again for what you've done for us in Jesus, both his life and his death and his resurrection that we celebrate today. We love you, God. Again, we give you thanks. We pray this.